Heard It Here continues from Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. Here's Josh Swanson. Welcome back to Heard It Here with Swanee at 740 AM. The Fan. 107.3 FM. Make sure to check out our show page at 740thefan.com. Folks, it is Saturday morning championship Saturday, 11 a.m. kick as North Dakota State looks to win its seventh FCS championship in eight years against the Eastern Washington Eagles. Joining us as he does every Saturday morning, it's Nolan P. Schmidt, editor-in-chief of the Bison Illustrated Podcast. Nolan, the weather down here in North Texas sure beats what we've had back in Fargo, what we flew out of earlier in the week. It's a great day to be at a football game outside. Because us in, uh, up there in Fargo, we're used to watching football inside. So it's nice to, to finally get a game outside. And, you know, it's almost like a it's like a mini vacation, I'd say. You know, you're not getting to Mexico or, you know, Jamaica or wherever exotic place that's a far warmer than, than Texas. But, you know, in our, in, in our own little way, this can be, this can be our, our Bahamas trip. This can be our, our warm winter trip. For, for a lot of Bison fans, it really is. I know a lot of Bison fans, we've seen them out and about in Plano and Frisco and Dallas through the better part of this week. A lot of, it's 50, 60 degrees down here, which sure beats the windshield advisories back home. <laughs> it's funny to watch the locals look at Bison fans who are walking around with shorts and t-shirts just having a, a great time with this warm weather. So the game day temps here, beautiful morning for tailgating. And it's interesting when you look back at the calendar this year, I'm hard-pressed to think of any game North Dakota State played outside of a dome because the game against you and I was in a dome on the road. The game against South Dakota Missouri was State would have been the last one outside. Missouri State and Western Illinois were the only two. The Bison had four road games. We had mm-hmm. seven regular season games at home. <laughs> two of the road games were inside at the Uni Dome and Vermilion Dome. So the last time North Dakota State played outside – was against Missouri State here in Springfield. In, in Springfield in November, and before that, it was playing in a, a rain-soaked field, kind of a wintry, early wintry mix down in Macomb, Illinois. Those are the only two games the Bison have played outside all year. And fortunate, and, and everyone knows North Dakota State practices outside. During the blizzard that happened the week of Christmas, North Dakota State had put an announcement out on Twitter that only emerged that campus was closed, only emergency personnel were to report to the university and Ty Brooks in North Dakota State running back tweeted in response, we must be emergency personnel. So the Bison aren't going to have any issues playing outdoors, but it is so great to end the year playing outside on such a beautiful day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that I don't know. I don't want to say it's an expectation at this point, Swanee, but we're, we're starting to get to that point now where we're, you know, it's, it's, we're going for seven in, in eight years. I think it's kind of become an expectation fans plan for it well before the season you know they got their tickets bought in August ready to go to Frisco you know it's just so it's it's more remarkable than anything that you know at this juncture in NDSU athletics NDSU football you know fans can feel confident in booking a flight to Texas in August and book a hotel in Texas in August and buy tickets to a game in August knowing full well that their team 90% is probably going to be there and not have to worry about it. And that is so unique in all of sports and all of college football and and the stuff you do at Bison Illustrated, you have an opportunity 
to talk with a lot of players, to talk with a lot of coaches, and, and in particularly talk with a lot of Bison fans. And I know every week I'm out there, whether it's on the streets of Fargo reporting live for 740 The Fan. <laughs> this is Josh Swanson or on the, you know, the, the Bison Illustrated podcast or my Swanee Says column. North Dakota State has a lot of fans that this trip has been planned out for months. They have the locations they like going to in this area, whether in Plano, say, Frisco, or Dallas. Exactly the, where to go. the restaurants, the bub, the, uh, the good pubs, barbecue, the par, the bars, the good barbecue, the Texas brisket, and, and they've got the flights booked in advance. And, and what are you hearing from Bison fans? Not not just this week, but through the course of the year, how how they view this trip, this annual pilgrimage to Frisco, Texas. How they view that, and how much they enjoy coming down here to watch the Bison. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if you need to get you know direct quotes from fans. I mean, you can you can watch you know video dating back to 2011 Swanee 12 13 all those years all these years that NDSU has been able to come down to Frisco outside of 2016 I mean the the testament lies in the amount of Bison fans that are down in Frisco right now more than anything Swanee is that you know the Frisco Chamber of Commerce and the people of Frisco Plano this area they prepare for this weekend as if NDSU is coming down, just like Bison fans prepare to be here on this weekend. So, I mean, it, it's really – it comes down to more of a group effort than anything. I mean, the fans show up in droves when NDSU is here. But at the same time, I, I don't think – you know, there's a reason why they call it Fargo South for a reason. It's a real unique relationship with the, the Frisco area and the Plano area, how they really open – their arms and roll out the red carpet for Bison fans. And I, I want to read some numbers to you. You talk about bowl game attendance and here there are Bison fans all over the place, probably going to have 20,000 plus, mostly wearing yellow inside the stadium today around town this week. It, it reminds me, you know, last year down here in Frisco, we saw James Madison, Madison fans, a lot of purple all over the place. It's been tough. I mean, we've run into a few Eastern Washington fans out on the streets at, at different restaurants and bars, but you really haven't seen a strong contingent from Eastern Washington down here, and part of that is probably the travel difficulties. But listen to these numbers. These, this is some bowl game attendance in 2018, the Camellia Bowl. Georgia Southern versus Eastern Michigan, 17,000. The great Camellia Bowl. What a great bowl. Right? The, the Frisco Bowl, which happened here the Wednesday before Christmas, Ohio versus San Oof. Diego State, a reported attendance of 11,000. I watched that game. No. They were no, not no, 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 there no, no, were no. not 11,000 people in the stands on a rain-soaked night here. The Gasparilla Bowl, Marshall versus South Florida, 14,000. The Bahamas Bowl played down. In, in the, Bahamas. the Bahamas. That'd be a cool bowl. That'd be a fun one to go to for, yeah. for the weather anyway. 13,000. I watched that game on ESPN. There were not 13,000 <laughs> people at the Bahamas Bowl. That must have been corporate seats and number of tickets they gave away or allotted to each school because they are, it did not look like there were more than 5,000 people at the Bahamas Bowl. And then the Idaho Potato Bowl between BYU and Western Michigan. Boise State on the blue turf. They had just over 18,000 people at that stadium. And the crowd inside, there will be more Bison fans here in Frisco, Texas for this game, 1,000 miles away from home than there were at any of those bowl games, which just really speaks to how Bison fans have taken to this community and this area for the national championship. Yeah, and you wonder, you know, you bring up the point of, of there were a ton of James Madison fans here last year. 
But you have to remember that James Madison was defending the national championship in 2017. Obviously, they had won in 2016. So, I mean, it, it makes sense for fans to be here. You know, for Eastern Washington, the last time they were here, Swanee, it was 2010. It was the it was the year that, you know, Brock Jensen, quote-unquote, fumbled at the goal line in Cheney, Washington. And then Eastern Washington traveled to Frisco and, and won the national championship. That was the last time they've been here. I mean, that's... That's technically eight years ago now because that game would have been played in 2011. It's 2019 now. So, I mean, that's eight years removed, and Eastern Washington has had really good players come through their program. They've had really good coaches come through their program, especially now with Aaron Best. But we haven't seen that kind of fan support. And I think, you know, you touched on it this week when we did our podcast, is that, you know, there was like a, I mean, what was the percent of people that showed out for the semifinal game against Maine? I mean, I mean, it was not, it was barely a half full Roos field. So, I mean, I don't want to call out, I, I, I don't want to call out Eastern Washington fans because that's not what this is about. But at the same time, you wonder if just since the long, this long gap in trips to Frisco and trips to, you know, successful playoff runs for Eastern Washington, if that's played a role in, in Eastern Washington fans not making the the journey down here you you run into it and eastern washington is is one of the outside of north dakota state one of the premier programs in the fcs year after year they they beat fbs teams they've had some really really good players go through their program bo baldwin former head coach now and i think an offensive coordinator at cal berkeley aaron best former eagles offensive lineman then coach for him and now head coach you had Vernon Adams, Gage Gubrud, and Cooper now Cup. Cooper Cup, you know, all pro for the Rams. And Eric Berrier seems to be the, the next guy on that list of great Eagles players, sophomore quarterback. But North Dakota State is a whole different animal. The program, the university, the fan support, it's a juggernaut. It is more akin to an FBS program, a major college football program, than it is to an FCS program. And case in point, just look at how NDSU has changed the FCS landscape and national championship here in Frisco, Texas, to a big-time event that ESPN follows, that gets all kinds of coverage, that has 20,000 people filling the stands, and it's just a week-long party down here. That was not the case in 2010 when Eastern Washington played Delaware. It was a half-full stadium. It was not the event it is today. And I remember the first year or two North Dakota State went down there in 2011 and 2012. The, the seasons, it would have been January 2012, the first uh, FCS championship game for North Dakota State against Sam Houston State. Then the following January, January 2013, the community was blown away saying, wow, you guys really travel." You guys really bring a lot of people. And just as North Dakota State has stepped up its game, you saw bar owners and restaurant owners tweeting out and putting on social media the night of the semifinal game against South Dakota State, how they were cheering for North Dakota State. And I know you know, for KFGO, we were broadcasting live from Wild Pitch, one of the bars here in Frisco, Texas, on Friday, and talking to some of the staff there. They were saying that that's the weekend. This weekend, out of all the weekends on the calendar, they want to work. The, the staff that has more seniority gets to pick when they work. They all want to work this weekend and this week because that's when they make a ton of money in tips because Bison fans, 
like to party, they like to get out here early, and they take care of their servers, and it's a packed house. I mean, everywhere we've been this week has just been wall-to-wall green and yellow. I want to thank a couple of businesses back home that are making this live broadcast from Toyota Stadium possible. Central Steel, Welton's Tire Service, Wild Rice Electric, Seaberg Power Sports, and Peterman Seeds of Holly. want to thank them for their support of the show throughout the year and this weekend. Nolan, we got to talk about the game. Let's take a commercial break, but coming back, let's really dive into some of the keys of the football game, some of the big storylines, Easton Stick, quarterback for the North Dakota State Bison. Everyone's familiar with him, but Eastern Washington, for their part, they have a really good quarterback in Eric Berrier. And one of the key matchups this morning, later this morning anyway, will be the Eastern Washington defense rated 60th in the country if they're able to slow down the Bison offense, because if not, this one could get out of hand in a good way early for the Bison. Stay tuned. You're listening to Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM The Fan, 107.3 FM. We are back live at Toyota Stadium broadcasting from the 50-yard line of the Champions Club where in a few short hours, North Dakota State will go for their 7th FCS National Championship in 8 years and 15th National Championship. Overall, you are listening to Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan, 107.3 FM. Make sure to check out our show page at 740thefan.com. want to thank Josh Linus running the boards back at the Mothership in Fargo and also thank a few more sponsors that are making our show possible this morning. Altendorf Trucking, Chris Heisey, American Family Insurance Agent, Valley Tire, Legacy Wealth Management, and TRS Industries. We'll have Nolan P. Schmidt of the Bison Illustrated coming up in a few minutes here to break down some of the game action. Chase Miller alongside me here this morning. The sun is coming up and rising above Toyota Stadium. It should be an absolutely gorgeous day. We still don't know, Chase. We still don't know the status of Eastern Washington defensive tackle, Big Sky. Mm-hmm. Defensive Player of the Year, JTT Uli, whether or not he'll be playing today. I suppose we'll find out what if, uh, if he comes running out during warm-ups. Coach Best said yesterday at his press conference that he would make an announcement yesterday night as to T. Uli's status. We still have not heard anything as of uh, right now this morning. Yeah, and the one thing is he's wearing number 99. If you take a look at what he does for this football team, he's a six foot four, 320-pound senior defensive lineman. He takes up the middle on that inside. You know, if you want a bulldozer to go up against uh, this running tandem attack of North Dakota State, that's what Tiuli is. He's going to be a guy that's going to be a ram wrecker. He's going to make you make detours. He's going to try to blow up on the inside. If he doesn't play, North Dakota State will have another advantage against that Eastern Washington offensive line. If he does play, is he the difference maker that can win Eastern Washington the football game? I don't know, but I know this, Swanee. He's going to make more opportunities to get fumbles. He's going to pressure Easton Stick, and if he gets to Easton and Easton has a bad throw, it might be because of a guy like the name of JT Tiuli. So that's the question mark here. Will he play? Won't he play? And same thing for North Dakota State. There's still some question marks at the running back spot with Seth Wilson, Bruce Anderson. How healthy are they? How many reps are we going to see? I'd be shocked if we don't see both of them warmed up and you know taking uh, the practice practice field, uh, taking the field here to get some practice reps in before the game. But if you got a healthy Lance Dunn, a healthy Ty Brooks, a healthy Easton Stick, I don't know how much more you actually need 
you know, if you're North Dakota State, because we've seen them win with just that before. And we've talked about it yesterday on, on KFGO, and we talked about it on Heard It Here. The weeks leading up to the championship game, Eastern Washington is pretty banged up, pretty beat up, especially on the defensive side of the football. And when you go into a football game against a team as physical as North Dakota State with those Rams up front, the way they like to run the football, you want all hands on deck. And especially from a depth standpoint, where North Dakota State just keeps coming at you and coming at you, where Tewley, not only is he a, a fantastic football player that makes plays, takes up double teams, you have to account for him, much like Eastern Washington has to account for where Greg Menard is, where Jabril Cox is, where mm-hmm. Robbie Grimsley is, etc., etc. So if they don't have him, that's a big loss to their depth as well because they'll have to be bringing in a new guy, and they have one less guy to play. And on the North Dakota State side of the ball, Coach Kleiman said earlier this week at one of his media avails that he expects all hands on deck for the Bison. And I know you did a post for the fans' website and, and some interviews and, and all those things. Lance Dunn should be 100%. And after last year where his snaps were limited because of an injury in the national championship game, he got off to such a fast start last year. And you talk about a guy that was on his way to contending for the Walter Payton. Lance Dunn had 15 or 16 touchdowns after six or seven games, led FCS football in that category, had that injury against Western Illinois, got back to take some snaps in the national championship. I am so glad that that young man will have an opportunity to be at 100% and showcase his talents on the field we're looking at later today. And the, that's the cool storylines coming into this one. You know, I had an opportunity to talk to Lanston on Thursday one-on-one. I asked him point blank, how's the injury? You know, how, how are you feeling? He goes, I'm at about 100%. And he, and he even said it wasn't so much that it was the arm that was giving him body. He goes, once you play through a whole season, your whole body's just nicked up. I mean, it's just, you just need a couple days of rest. And Chris Kleiman said after, you know, you gave Lance Dunn a couple weeks off and he came back, he looked as fresh as can be. So, you know, Lance Dunn's ability to cut and then his ability to go from, you know, first to fourth gear is something that a lot of running backs um, don't have normally. It's either you come right out of the chute and you're gone, or you're that big bulldozer North, like South. a Tyler Roll that's yep. going to go right through the teeth. Well, Lance Dunn kind of reminds me of a Sam Ojuri a little bit. He can be patient at times, but if he sees a hole, he's going to, you know, turn it up the field and try to get as many yards. And you go to the Lance Dunn story, how about a guy like Greg Menard? You know, last year in fall camp, not even, what, a weekend of fall camp, he tears his ACL, misses the entire season. Yes, he was here last year on the sidelines, but he wasn't in his helmet. He wasn't in the shoulder pads. Same thing for a guy like Dan Marlette, another ACL injury that you went over, and he lost uh, out in the Missouri State game, the conference opener last season. So there's so many seniors and it happens to every team. Eastern Washington on defense has been ravaged. they got nine starters that have been out due to injury at some point, whether it's a season-ending injury or miss a game or two. But there's so many storylines just on the injury front of how North Dakota State has overcame adversity. And Matt Entz talked about it, and he pointed out Greg, Menard, and Dan Marlett, the fact that they tore ACLs and the very next year is going to play in all 15 games, that says something. In North Dakota State, you know, you talk about the injury front last year at this time, going into a game against James Madison, the Bison were out. Their two starting cornerbacks in Jalen Allison and Jalen Winbush and Marquise Bridges and Josh Hayes, a yep. freshman and a sophomore, started in their very first college football game in the national championship here at Toyota Stadium and did very, very well. Bridges with that big interception down by the Bison end zone in front of the stage that we're looking at this this morning so it's it's great to see not only Lance Dunn but Greg Menard and Dan Marlette have an opportunity to go out and compete and be champions as seniors so that's just one of the many storing the storylines that'll unfold 
today at Toyota Stadium. The sun keeps rising up right into our eyes, Chase. It's coming down. I got, I literally have my sunglasses on <laughs> inside my Oakleys in Toyota Stadium looking down on the field. Well, the one thing I'm saying, is it possible to get a suntan in a press box? Because right now, I think I might need a little sun uh, tan lotion, Swanee, because my right side's going to be a little bit uh, darker or redder than my left side coming up here pretty quick. It is beautiful tailgating weather out there. There are going to be a lot of North Dakota State fans in shorts and T-shirts having a good time with some beverages out at tailgating this morning, and they probably will get a suntan out there in Frisco, Texas. It's just a great day for college football as North Dakota State seeks the all-time FCS record for number of national championships. They're tied right now with six FCS titles with Georgia Southern, and Coach Kleiman can tie Jim Tressel Mm -hmm. of Youngstown State, who obviously went on to Ohio State. Now he's the president in Youngstown State. He leads all FCS coaches with four national championships. There's a couple tied at three, including Craig Bowl and Chris Kleiman, and Chris Kleiman can tie Jim Trestle for most national championships with a win here today. And Easton Stick right now is tied with Brock Jensen for the most ever FCS wins all time at 48. If the Bison win today, that gives young Mr. Stick his 49th win as a Bison and breaks Brock Jensen's all-time FCS wins record. Uh, Swanee, I know you're going to get Nolan on here from Bison Illustrated, and, and we'll, we'll continue the conversation, obviously, there. And then uh, my show, we're going to hear from Larry Weir, the voice of Eastern Washington, get an inside look before he gets on the radio for the you know Eagles uh, radio network, and then gonna talk with Matt Larson, get kind of a State of North Dakota update before Westwood One gets going at 10.30 with the pregame. But uh, at the end of the day, when you look at Chris Kleiman, I guess my question to you is what and it's and it's going to be a question that I know someone's going to ask in the post-game press conference to Chris. What do you want your legacy? Or when people talk about your time at North Dakota State, what's going to best describe him as a head coach but him as an, an assistant coach? Players coach, we know that. A guy that gets along with, wants to get along with everybody. Not to be a people pleaser, but just genuinely wants to have relationships. He doesn't care about, at the end of the day, necessarily about wins and losses. Yes, he gets paid for it. Yes, championships are, are as in his words, dynamic. But he wants to build relationships with people. And he talked about going to Carson Wentz's wedding this summer with Easton Stick and him, you know, flying out there together and having some fun. But what's the best word or sentence or two to best describe what Chris Kleiman's legacy is going to be when we take a look back 10 years from now as a head coach at North Dakota State? Class act, you know, integrity. And and we had uh, former Bison head coach, NDSU Hall of Famer, Rocky Hager, who has four championships with the Bison, who is a head coach. We had him on yesterday and had a chance to visit with him, and you can listen to that interview on the fans' website and also kfgo.com. And and the thing that struck me, I've known Rock going back to when he made my uh, twin brother and I ball boys in the the (laughs) 1990s. You heard the emotion in his voice talking about all the former players Mm -hmm. he had an opportunity to see at the Bison practice yesterday afternoon. And I think when you ask Chris Kleiman about it, the championships stand out, you know, the wins over Iowa, all the hardware, all the great player. But at the end of the day, what I think Chris Kleiman will say about that is the young men that he coached. Not just the fact they were great football players, but they're great men. They've turned into, you talk to some of the guys that went through the program under Coach Kleiman, and what strikes me, Chase, is they're 
their their integrity, yeah. their leadership skills, and how well prepared they were for life after football. And I think Coach Kleiman will, will say that what he wants to be remembered for is just the, the guys and the caliber of players that went through the program. And, you know, if he comes down here in a couple of years, whether he's uh, head coaching at Kansas State or he retires, whatever's going to happen, you know if Chris Kleiman walks into a bar in about 10 years down in Frisco, he ain't buying Texas, a drink, man. he's going to have a lot of people wanting to take photos with him, a lot of fun. I mean, and that's the cool thing, go to these places, and how many past players have you seen in your time here, Swanee? Not just this weekend, but in previous years. You know, last year, uh, you got to see the Billy Turners, the Kyle Emanuels of the world. We saw that a little bit more this year with Nick DeLuca. Ryan Smith comes down. I mean, it, it just really is the ultimate, you said homecoming, I'm going to say like class reunion almost in a sense for Bison football. It, it really is. And when we talked with Coach Hager yesterday, you hear about a guy like Ardell Wiegand, who was a member of a championship team in the 1960s, kind of one of the, the forefathers of, of that era of Bison football, went on to coach a long career in college football, including at Northern Iowa. And Coach Kleiman referenced him after the championship game last year in the post-game press conference. And Rocky Hager mentioned him to us yesterday. When you see guys from the 1960s teams, guys like George Kallenbach, who won a championship in 65. When guys like that come back, and it, it means so much to them, I had a message from Michael Kallenbach, George's nephew, who played for the Bison in the 1990s. You know, how much the guys that aren't here mm-hmm. miss being here, and Brock Jensen told us the same thing. He wasn't able to make it down this year, but how much it means to them. Folks, we got a great show coming up for the next hour on Heard It Here with Swanee at 740 AM, The Fan, and 107.3 FM. We're going to have Nolan P. Schmidt from the Bison Illustrated Magazine. Nolan and I have a podcast at bisonillustrated.com. We're going to be breaking down the game action. And then we've got wall-to-wall coverage. Chase has got more coming up for you. we got Westwood 1 carrying the game, so you need to stay tuned. And after that, Derek Hansen from KFGO and the Fan will have a live call and show. It's Championship Saturday here in Frisco, Texas. Bison Nation, get ready. Heard It Here continues from Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. Here's Josh Swanson. Welcome back to Heard It Here with Swanee at 740 AM. 107.3 FM. Make sure to check out our show page at 740thefan.com. Folks, it is Saturday morning, championship Saturday. 11 a.m. kick as North Dakota State looks to win its seventh FCS championship in eight years against the Eastern Washington Eagles. Joining us as he does every Saturday morning, it's Nolan P. Schmidt, editor-in-chief of the Bison Illustrated Podcast. Nolan, the weather down here in North Texas Sure beats what we've had back at Fargo, what we flew out of earlier in the week. It's a great day to be at a football game outside because us in, uh, up there in Fargo, we're used to watching football inside. So it's nice to, to finally get a game outside. And, you know, it's almost like a it's like a mini vacation, I'd say. You know, you're not getting to Mexico or, you know, Jamaica or wherever exotic place that's a far warmer than than Texas. But you know, in our in in our own little way, this can be this can be our our Bahamas trip. This can be our our warm winter trip. For for a lot of Bison fans, it really is. I know a lot of Bison fans. We've seen them out and about in Plano and Frisco and Dallas through the better part of this week. A lot of it's 50, 60 degrees down here, which sure beats the wind chill advisories back home. <laughs> it's funny to watch the locals look at Bison fans who are walking around with shorts and t-shirts just having a great time with this warm weather so the game day temps here beautiful morning 
for tailgating. And it's interesting when you look back at the calendar this year, I'm hard pressed to think of any game North Dakota State played outside of a dome because the game against you and I was in a dome on the road. The game against South Dakota Missouri was State would have been the last one outside. Missouri State and Western Illinois were the only two. The Bison had four road games. We mm-hmm. had seven regular season games at home. <laughs> two of the road games were inside at the Uni Dome and Vermilion Dome. So the last time North Dakota State played outside was against Missouri State here. In Springfield. It's Springfield in November, and before that it was playing in a, a rain-soaked field, kind of a wintry, early wintry mix down in Macomb, Illinois. Those are the only two games the Bison have played outside all year. And, and, and everyone knows North Dakota State practices outside. During the blizzard that happened the week of Christmas, North Dakota State had put an announcement out on Twitter that only emerged, that campus was closed. Only emergency personnel were to report to the university, and Ty Brooks in North Dakota State running back tweeted in response, we must be emergency personnel. So the Bison aren't going to have any issues playing outdoors, but it is so great to end the year playing outside on such a beautiful day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that I don't know. I don't want to say it's an expectation at this point, Swanee, but we're we're starting to get to that point now where we're you know it's it's we're go, going for seven in in eight years. I think it's kind of become an expectation. Fans plan for it well before the season. You know, they got their tickets bought in August, ready to go to Frisco. You know, it's just so it's it's more remarkable than anything that you know at this juncture in NDSU athletics, NDSU football. You know, fans can feel confident in booking a flight to Texas in August and book a hotel in Texas in August and buy tickets to a game in August, knowing full well that their team 90% is probably going to be there and not have to worry about it. And that is so unique in all of sports and all of college football and and the stuff you do at Bison Illustrated, you have an opportunity to talk with a lot of players, to talk with a lot of coaches, and, and in particularly talk with a lot of Bison fans. And I know every week I'm out there, whether it's on the streets of Fargo reporting live for 740 The Fan. <laughs> this is Josh Swanson or on the, you know, the, the Bison Illustrated podcast or my Swanee Says column. North Dakota State has a lot of fans that this trip has been planned out for months. They have the locations they like going to in this area, whether in Plano, say, Frisco, or Dallas, exactly the, where to go. the restaurants, the bub, uh, the, the good pubs, barbecue, the, par, the bars, the good barbecue, the Texas brisket, and, and they've got the flights booked in advance. And, and what are you hearing from Bison fans, not, not just this week, but through the course of the year, how, how they view this trip, this annual pilgrimage to Frisco, Texas, how they view that and how much they enjoy coming down here to watch the Bison? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if you need to get, you know, direct quotes from fans. I mean, you can, you can watch, you know, video dating back to 2011, 2012, 13, all those years, all these years that NDSU has been able to come down to Frisco outside of 2016. I mean, the the testament lies in the amount of Bison fans that are down in Frisco right now. More than anything, Swanee, is that, you know, the Frisco Chamber of Commerce and the people of Frisco, Plano, this area, they prepare for this weekend as if NDSU is coming down, just like Bison fans prepare to be here 
on this weekend. So, I mean, it, it's really, it comes down to more of a group effort than anything. I mean, the fans show up in droves when NDSU is here, but at the same time, I, I don't think, you know, there's a reason why they call it Fargo South for a reason. It's a real unique relationship with the, the Frisco area and the Plano area, how they really open their arms and roll out the red carpet for Bison fans. And I, I want to read some numbers to you. You talk about bowl game attendance and here there are Bison fans all over the place, probably going to have 20,000 plus, mostly wearing yellow inside the stadium today around town this week. It, it reminds me, you know, last year, down here in Frisco, we saw James Madison fans, a lot of purple all over the place. It's been tough. I mean, we've run into a few Eastern Washington fans out on the streets at, at different restaurants and bars, but you really haven't seen a strong contingent from Eastern Washington down here, and part of that is probably the travel difficulties. But listen to these numbers. These, this is some bowl game attendance in 2018, the Camellia Bowl. Georgia Southern versus Eastern Michigan, 17,000. The great Camellia Bowl. What a great bowl. Right? The, the Frisco Bowl, which happened here the Wednesday before Christmas, Ohio versus San Oof. Diego State, a reported attendance of 11,000. I watched that game. No. They were no, not no, 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 there no, no, were not 11,000 people in the stands on a rain-soaked night here. The Gasparilla Bowl, Marshall versus South Florida, 14,000. The Bahamas Bowl played down. In the, in Bahamas. the Bahamas. That'd be a cool bowl. That'd be a fun one to go to for, yeah. for the weather anyway. 13,000. I watched that game on ESPN. There were not 13,000 <laughs> people at the Bahamas Bowl. That must have been corporate seats and number of tickets they gave away or allotted to each school because they are, it did not look like there were more than 5,000 people at the Bahamas Bowl. And then the Idaho Potato Bowl between BYU and Western Michigan. Boise State on the blue turf. They had just over 18,000 people at that stadium. And the crowd inside, there will be more Bison fans here in Frisco, Texas for this game, 1,000 miles away from home than there were at any of those bowl games, which just really speaks to how Bison fans have taken to this community and this area for the national championship. Yeah, and you wonder, you know, you bring up the point of, of there were a ton of James Madison fans here last year. But you have to remember that James Madison was defending the national championship in 2017. Obviously, they had won in 2016. So, I mean, it, it makes sense for fans to be here. You know, for Eastern Washington, the last time they were here, Swanee, it was 2010. It was the it was the year that, you know, Brock Jensen, quote-unquote, fumbled at the goal line in Cheney, Washington. And then Eastern Washington traveled to Frisco and, and won the national championship. That was the last time they've been here. I mean, that's... That's technically eight years ago now because that game would have been played in 2011. It's 2019 now. So, I mean, that's eight years removed, and Eastern Washington has had really good players come through their program. They've had really good coaches come through their program, especially now with Aaron Best. But we haven't seen that kind of fan support. And I think, you know, you touched on it this week when we did our podcast is that, you know, there was like a, I mean, what was the percent of people that showed out for the semifinal game against Maine? I mean, I mean, it was not, it was barely a half full Roos field. So, I mean, I don't want to call out, I, I, I don't want to call out Eastern Washington fans because that's not what this is about. But at the same time, you wonder if just since the long, this long gap in trips to Frisco and trips to, you know, successful playoff runs for Eastern Washington, if that's played a role in, in Eastern Washington fans not making the the journey down here you you run into it and eastern washington is is one of the outside of north dakota state one of the premier programs in the fcs year after year they they beat fbs teams they've had some really really good players go through their program bull baldwin former head coach now and i think an offensive coordinator at cal berkeley aaron best former 
Eagles offensive lineman, then coach for him, and now head coach. You had Vernon Adams, Gage Gubrud, and Cooper now Cup. Cooper Cup, you know, all pro for the Rams. And Eric Berrier seems to be the, the next guy on that list of great Eagles players, sophomore quarterback. But North Dakota State is a whole different animal. The program, the university, the fan support, it's a juggernaut. It is more akin to an FBS program, a major college football program, than it is to an FCS program. And case in point, just look at how NDSU has changed the FCS landscape and national championship here in Frisco, Texas, to a big-time event that ESPN follows, that gets all kinds of coverage, that has 20,000 people filling the stands, and it's just a week-long party down here. That was not the case in 2010 when Eastern Washington played Delaware. It was a half-full stadium. It was not the event it is today. And I remember the first year or two North Dakota State went down there in 2011 and 2012. The, the seasons, it would have been January 2012, the first uh, FCS championship game for North Dakota State against Sam Houston State. Then the following January, January 2013, the community was blown away saying, wow, you guys really travel. You guys really bring a lot of people. And just as North Dakota State has stepped up its game, you saw bar owners and restaurant owners tweeting out and putting on social media the night of the semifinal game against South Dakota State, how they were cheering for North Dakota State. And I know you know, for KFGO, we were broadcasting live from Wild Pitch, one of the bars here in Frisco, Texas, on Friday, and talking to some of the staff there. They were saying that that's the weekend. This weekend, out of all the weekends on the calendar, they want to work. The, the staff that has more seniority gets to pick when they work. They all want to work this weekend and this week because that's when they make a ton of money in tips because Bison fans like to party, they like to get out here early, and they take care of their servers, and it's a packed house. I mean, everywhere we've been this week has just been wall-to-wall green and yellow. I want to thank a couple of businesses back home that are making this live broadcast from Toyota Stadium possible, Central Steel, Welton's Tire Service, Wild Rice Electric, Seaberg Power Sports, and Peterman Seeds of Holly. Want to thank them for their support of the show throughout the year and this weekend. Nolan, we got to talk about the game. Let's take a commercial break, but coming back, let's really dive into some of the keys of the football game, some of the big storylines. Easton Stick, quarterback for the North Dakota State Bison. Everyone's familiar with him, but Eastern Washington, for their part, they have a really good quarterback in Eric Berrier. And one of the key matchups this morning, later this morning anyway, will be the Eastern Washington defense rated 60th in the country if they're able to slow down the Bison offense because if not, this one could get out of hand in a good way early for the Bison. Stay tuned. You're listening to Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM The Fan, 107.3 FM. Gorgeous morning coming to you live from Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. Table is set. North Dakota State looks to cap an undefeated, undisputed heavyweight championship season. 15-0 would become the second team in FCS history for North Dakota State to run the table undefeated, joining the ranks of that great 2013 Bison team who beat Towson in the national championship game. This is Herded here with Swanee on 740 AM. The fan want to thank couple of our sponsors for making this fine audio program available to you wherever you're listening in bison nation coast to coast sea to shining sea yonke insurance walton's tire service altendorf trucking chris heisey american family insurance agent valley tire 
Legacy Wealth Management and TRS Industries. I know there's folks from a couple of those businesses who are great sponsors of this program down in Frisco, Texas. Excited to see what will unfold come 11 o'clock this morning on the field, Nolan. And one of the big storylines, you get to a national championship game, you've got two really good quarterbacks in the veteran battle-tested FCS, best player in the FCS, Easton Stick, taking on the upstart up-and-comer Eric Berrier of Eastern Washington, another really good quarterback in the fine lineage of Eastern Washington quarterbacks. Boy, uh, given given uh, the experiences of both quarterbacks, Easton Stick has been on this big stage. This will be the third time he's down in Frisco, Texas for a national championship. Nothing phases that cat. I think it's Easton Stick show today irrespective of how good young Mr. Barrier might be. Yeah, we can't take away anything of what Eric Barrier has done because, you know, when you look at it from an Eastern Washington perspective, you know, he comes in for Gage Gubrud, who, you know, for all intents and purposes, Swanee, he's been the best quarterback at that university in, you know, since, I mean, for Vernon a, Adams, since probably. Vernon Adams probably. And Gubrud so, is pretty good too. I mean, I mean, so, I mean, he comes in for – Gage Gubrud, who has this long lore in Eastern Washington football history, I ex- passing Brock Jensen. I expect Easton Stick's best game is a Bison, and it's it's so. You would think that you know? he's he's played so well this year, week after week. He has you know for 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 his statistics, twenty six passing touchdowns. He has fourteen rushing touchdowns, so forty total touchdowns. He's thrown for over twenty five hundred and fifty yards in the air. You can tack on another five hundred and fifty yards rushing. He's a guy that can beat you in so many ways. And over the last four years, you go back to twenty fifteen, Carson Wentz's senior year. Carson gets hurt against South Dakota. Some freshman from Omaha, Nebraska, oh, number twelve. Easton Stick comes, comes in, in and goes undefeated. You got, you know, you're a freshman taking over for a guy named Carson Wentz who goes on to become the second overall pick in the NFL draft who was taking over from Brock Jensen, the all-time <laughs> winningest quarterback in FCS history with 48 wins. And all number 12 has managed to do is cement himself as one of the greatest ever to wear a Bison uniform along with the likes of Bentram and Sindorm and Jensen and Carson Wentz. Here's Easton Stick with a lot of other Bison in his senior class playing their last game for the university. And you just look at some of these careers, whether it's Easton Stick, the four years he's played here. Robbie Grimsley, who made his first start as a true freshman out in Washington Grizz Stadium against against Montana in a memorable game. Uh, Greg Menard, who was hurt all of last year, looking to go out as a champion after a season-ending knee injury. Guys like Jalen Allison and Jalen Winbush, who have been starting and playing a lot of football going back to that 2015 year. And, and, you know, whether it's on the offensive side, Bruce Anderson, you know, Bruce, his freshman year, the, the kick return against Northern Iowa in that quarterfinal game that really set the stage for what was to follow in the playoffs. Just a defining moment of his career as a freshman. Then you had his huge game against Sam Houston State in the semifinals. Just how Lance Dunn, how fun it is to to watch a lot of these guys, uh, Tanner Volson, um, Zach Johnson, just so many of these guys that are familiar names to North Dakota State fans to think that they're playing their last game is Bison today and the storylines that that are out there and what they could do to – you hear cement their legacy. They have a legacy that legacy, regardless of what happens later today, isn't going anywhere, but man alive. 
for those guys, for those seniors, for these coaches to cap off a 15-0 and undefeated regular season, to join the ranks of all-time FCS greats, along with like the 2013 Bison and I think the, the 96 Marshall team that had Randy Moss on it. It's a unique feeling down here at Toyota Stadium, just knowing not just the fact a national championship's on the line, but the, the greatness that this team could achieve today. There's a lot of buzz, I would say. And I mean, the remarkable thing about this, especially this senior class, is how much they've improved over that four-year span. You bring up those moments that, you know, the Bruce Anderson kick return, Robbie Grimsley in Montana, you know, Easton Stick coming in for Carson and, and going undefeated to, to the national championship before Carson said, okay, well, I'm back in the driver's seat. Let's let's go down and win this game over Illinois State. And we, we didn't even mention when you were saying that, it brought to mind Cam Peterson, senior yeah. kicker, game winner at oh, Kinnick yeah. Stadium over, over Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. So, I mean, we've only you've only seen improvement from every single one of those guys. And, you know, when I think of Easton Stick, you know, he comes in undefeated, obviously, starts the next year and and so on. You could say Easton Stick is the player of the game for every single one of NDSU's football games. He's just been that good. Now, obviously, everybody else around him has also played really well. And it's so interesting, the just the, the caliber of players, and we talked about this on the podcast at BisonIllustrated.com. Eastern Washington, Eric Berrier, good quarterback, He's got the receiver who had four touchdown catches mm-hmm. against Maine in, in their semifinal blowout. For his part, Barry A. had seven touchdown passes in that game. But you just take a look at North Dakota State. They literally have an All-American at every single position group. Quarterback, Easton Stick, check. All-American best player in the FCS. Running back, Bruce Anderson, check. Going to the Reese's Senior Bowl and look at the other running backs there with him. Lance Dunn, Ty Brooks, Colefield, Seth Wilson. Offense, He's probably going to the NFL. Probably going, yes. Bruce, Bruce Anderson is going to get a shot at the NFL. Uh, Tanner Wilson, offensive line. Literally the FCS offensive lineman Should get a shot at the of the year going to get a shot at the NFL. And he's got a bunch of other all-conference offensive linemen right next to him. And th- those guys, those five offensive linemen, have started every game this year together. You talk about what's really made the Bison offense go along with the playmakers like Easton Stick and Bruce Anderson, the running backs, the receivers. That offensive line operates at such a high level as a unit, and a big part of it is the continuity and the fact mm-hmm. they've started every game this year together. Then you go to the defensive side of the football, defensive front, Greg Menard, consensus All-American. Linebacker group, Jabril Cox, consensus All-American, flanked by two all-conference performers and seniors and George Hyman Marlette. Defensive backfield, Robbie Grimsley, All-American, flanked by all-conference guys like James Hendricks, Jalen Allison, Winbush, Hayes, Bridges. And then you, you take a look at the, the stability in the special teams game and Garrett Wagner being an all-conference punter and Cam Peterson hitting big kicks and being Mr. Dependable. And then uh, Darius Shepard, All-American, wide receiver, check. And you got that whole state. And special teams. And play. special teams. You have so many weapons from North Dakota State, and we talked about it on the podcast, what's the one thing that you said? The three words that will determine this game, no glaring weakness. Eastern Washington is a very good football team. That's why they're in the national championship. North Dakota State does not have a glaring weakness. Eastern Washington's defense, 60th in the country in total defense. North Dakota State's offense and defense, top 10 in both categories. So I think you know the whole picture when you look at it, North Dakota State just – 
no glaring weakness. Folks, it is a gorgeous day down in North Texas here at Toyota Stadium. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Nolan and ask him what the keys are for this football game. North Dakota State, the Bison, the good guys from Fargo, North Dakota, going for their 15th national championship in program history, 7th FCS title, which would break the tie they have with Georgia Southern, each team with six FCS titles. I'm going to ask Nolan P. Schmidt, editor-in-chief of Bison Illustrated, what the keys of the game are for both teams. Coming up on Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM The Fan and 107.3 FM. Folks, we've had a great, great week down here in Frisco, Texas, partaking in all kinds of fun and celebration of all things North Dakota State, the North Dakota State Alumni Foundation threw one heck of a party last night down at the shops and Legacy. And one of the coolest parts is just walking through tailgating this morning and looking at the sea of yellow out there, all the buses, all the tailgating rigs that made their way down to Dallas for this game. And that's that's really a big part, Bison Nation, of why this program is what it is, why North Dakota State is competing for their seventh national championship in eight years. It's all about the strength of the herd, man. And, and I, I end every radio show saying that, that the strength of the herd is the Bison, and the strength of the Bison is the herd. And that's exactly what I what I mean by that. So just hats off to you guys. I'm, I've been talking a lot this week. I was on KFGO from Wild Pitch for the better part of the day yesterday. My voice is running on fumes. I need to get some, some tailgating. Get the man fuel. some cough drops. Yeah, I need Jeez. to get some cough drops, some coffee, maybe some other beverages to get the fuel in the gas tank to get me revved up for this championship game. Nolan P. Schmidt, editor-in-chief of Bison Illustrated, joining me this morning here on Heard It Here with Swanee. And, and Nolan, we, you know, we hinted at this during the last segment, the, the quarterback play from each team and just the different offensive and defensive weapons North Dakota State has. And for their part, you mentioned McPherson, the running back for the Eagles, who has 1,300 rushing yards on the year. They've got what Nasimba Webster. Webster, the receiver, who is over 1,000 yards, had four touchdowns against Maine. Both teams have playmakers coming into this football game. But just looking at the tail of the tape, is this a game that's really decided in the trenches between the offense and defensive lines? How, how do you see the game unfolding? Hasn't that always been the case this year? Right. Is the game right? the game is won in the trenches? You know, I think more so than anything, I, I'm less worried about NDSU's offensive line. I don't think that's anything that any fan should be worried about. I mean, they've just been unbelievably dominant so far this season. The on the flip side, I, I think for me the big key is if Eastern Washington can keep Eric Berrier upright. You know, obviously we we touched on it, the dynamic defensive line, Greg Menard, you know, Derek Tuska. Derek Tuska has been unbelievable this year. And, and I mean, the defensive line, the linebackers, Levi Jordan, Dan Marlette, Jabril Cox, you know, the way they cycle in those players, they, they get fresh legs. They can beat offensive linemen around to get to the quarterback. I think Eric Berrier, you know, we touched on it on the podcast a little bit. I mean, he's six foot, 195. That's not big for a quarterback. And, you know, that's not saying that he's not tough. He can't hang in there and take the hits. It's absolutely not what I'm saying. But if you look at, you know, what happened to Alabama, Oklahoma, Kyler Murray, who's roughly the same size as Eric Berrier, got absolutely shellacked by the best defense in the FBS. NDSU is the best defense in the FCS. So I have a feeling that something similar is about to occur to Eric Berrier. That being said, 
you wonder and you worry maybe a little bit. Um, I, I don't think it's as big of an issue as it was uh, about his mobility. I, I think, you know, you want to keep him in the pocket without a doubt. I, I think, you know, you saw that with Taron Christian when he gets outside the pocket. That's where he makes his big plays. But NDSU utterly neutralized Taron Christian in two games this year, I think, for the, for the most part, at least as the dual threat side of things. And they've neutralized dual threat quarterbacks all season. I think we'll see the same thing with Eric Berrier. I don't know if he's going to be able to be as dynamic, as dual threat-like against this front seven. I think that's where the game is won. If they can get pressure on Eric Berrier, get some early hits on him, you know, have Eastern Washington go three and out their first two to three series, I think that opens up a huge window for NDSU to take advantage on the offensive end. The only really thing that I see Eastern Washington doing is having that run pass option where you're having quick slants, quick curl routes. You know, Sam McPherson's a really good running back. Do you, you know, fake a handoff to him and have Barry a run out on an option or vice versa? You know, that sort of thing. Keep NDSU's defense guessing. That's where, that's where I think you'll have the best chance to beat them. Now, that being said, nine times out of 10, when NDSU's defense is guessing, they're guessing right. So, I mean, you know, you, you take what you can get in that regard. Uh, there, there are no questions. I, I think, at least in my mind, how Easton Stick is going to perform today. Easton Stick has played in so many big games. He's played in national championship games. He's played at, at Kennick Stadium and excelled there. He's played in a lot of tough road environments in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. He's played in a ton of playoff games. So his ability to perform on the big stage isn't in question. In fact, I'm going to be as bold to say that I think Easton Stick has one of the best games of his career today at Toyota Stadium going out a champion. What I will say about Eric Berrier, he's a sophomore quarterback. He's only got a handful of games under his belt. Now, as good as Easton Stick is, Bison fans, think, think back to when Easton was a freshman or a sophomore playing. He was a good quarterback, but he wasn't the same player. Easton's added to his game every single year, and he's evolved into being the best football player in the FCS. Eric Berry is a good quarterback, but he's also a sophomore, and he also has limited game experience, and he sure is shooting, sure is shooting down in Texas, so we've got to be doing some shooting. <laughs> he sure is shooting. Doesn't have experience. I can't believe we haven't done a Western accent right? up until this point. Yeah, yeah just it hit me, the stroke. I have my 10-gallon hat on and everything hit right me. now. I've, I've got my big old belt buckle and the cowboy boots <laughs> on. So Barry A does not have the experience on these sort of big game platforms against the defense like North Dakota State. So I think what we see, especially early this morning, Nolan, is a lot of plays designed to, to get Barrier comfortable in the game early. I don't think you want him to go out there and take a lot of five-step drops or hold on to the ball too long, at least early, and get whacked around by that Bison defense, get him rattled, and all of a sudden it kind of snowballs on you. I think you see a lot of plays where they're easy passes, they're comfortable throws, maybe short throws, maybe a couple of quick screens out of the backfield, some design plays to, to whether it's the easy throw to the on the out to the, the receiver, real quick three-step drop, get the ball out of the hands. And I think they'll do that to try to get him in some sort of rhythm and get him comfortable in the game to, to try to get stuff going on offense. Because if, if, if I'm Coach Aaron Best and I'm Eastern Washington, I look and see how dominating and how good that Bison defense is. And I want my young quarterback to get comfortable on the field, maybe get rid of some of the nerves and jitters and some of the anxiety early. So it wouldn't surprise me to see some of that 
early against uh, North Dakota State's defense for them to try to get Barry A into a rhythm. Yeah, and you know, on the same front, I think that might be the case, but at the same time, I think if you're Aaron Best, you have to try to establish a decent ground game. Because, Amen, I mean, right, at, the, right. at the end of the day, that's what's going to pace them. And, and, you know, we talked about a little bit on the podcast, they'd like to have those long drives to keep Easton Stick off the field. You know, early on, I wouldn't be shocked to see a lot of Sam McPherson, a lot of maybe options with Eric Berrier. I mean, even, you know, Nasimba Webster has the capability to run that jet sweep, wide receiver reverse. Do we see something like that? You know, Eastern Washington has done that in the past with different wide receivers. You know, do you see a little trick play like that sort of thing? You know, who knows? Uh, you, you really don't. But I agree with you. You want to get them in rhythm. But at the same time, with those jitters, Swanee, you know, you can try to get him in a rhythm, but it's up to him to get himself in the rhythm. You know what I'm saying? He needs so, to I, mean, make the plays. I mean, you know, he needs to make yeah. the plays. You know, if you leave a throw high, you leave a throw low, you leave a throw right or left, that's ripe for turnovers, too. You know, you know who knows what's going to happen? I, th- I think you start out trying to establish that ground game before you try to maybe move towards trying those shorter passes. Folks, we've got to take a quick commercial break here on Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, the fan and 107. Point three FM. Make sure you stay tuned throughout the morning. Westwood One will be bringing you complete coverage of today's game. Chase Miller and Derek Hansen will have more from 7.40 a.m. The Fan Chase's show is coming up, and then Derek Hansen is going to have a call-in show after the game, after the break. We're going to talk more about the keys to the game and bring you our final our final game day predictions for the 2018 season here on 7.40 a.m. The fans heard it here with Sawane. This is it, the Big Magilla, the national championship. The Bison go for their seventh and eighth, eight years, rather, coming up later this morning against Eastern Washington. Nolan, we were talking about the keys to the game. Yeah, and a big part of it, uh, the way I look for Eastern Washington, one of their key games, you'd hit on it, during the last segment was trying to get some semblance of a running game going with McPherson. He, he comes into this game with over 1,300 yards on the season. This Eastern Washington team isn't your older brother's Eastern Washington team. They're much more balanced under Coach Best. They're about 50-50 this season as far as total yards passing compared to total yards rushing. And if Eric Berrier is having to throw the ball 40 times today, Eastern Washington's going to be in a hurt bag against North Dakota State. So I think that's one of the key things early on to watch how Eastern Washington tries to pierce that front seven on the Bison defense running the football. Yeah, you, you got to – I mean, you have to assume that it's it's a lot of Barrier with his legs. Do they try to do something similar with Easton Stick like they did against South Dakota State, like the Bison did against South Dakota State? Just kind of rely on Eric Barrier's legs. Obviously, he's a fast player. He can make plays with his legs. You wonder if that'll help – but at the same time, Swanee, the way they rotate defensive linemen, and we've hit it so many times this year, the way that they rotate and get fresh legs in there, uh, you really have a hard time pinning down this defensive line specifically. I mean, the, the linebackers, they come on blitzes, and Jabril Cox is just a freak of nature. So you, I think either way, with the rotation and how quick they do it, I think it's it's going to be a real it's going to be really really hard to get Barry a going and it, and like you said if he passes forty times a game, that's when I think you kind of know that Eastern Washington is you know a little I don't know in the hurt locker out, out over will. their skis where yeah, North Dakota in, State in, is. in over their heads and I mean yeah. not to say you know because he was successful throwing the football against Maine who had a really good defense who was known for their defense so it, you know not to say that he can't make the throws but at the same time you know we can definitively say that NDSU's defense is far and away better than Maine's too. 
Yeah, and the, the big issue where I see the, the big distinction and differentiation, the differentiation in the national championship game today is Eastern Washington's defense versus the Bison offense. With Eastern Washington coming into this game, giving up about 385 yards total offense per game. They're rated, rated 60th in the country in total defense juxtaposed to North Dakota State coming in at number five or six in total defense with Code Green. And I think NDSU is going to be able to do really do whatever they want on the offensive side of the football. And I think we see the same thing out of this Bison offense, maybe more so than we saw against Montana State and Colgate and South Dakota State in the three previous playoff games. I think North Dakota State's going to be able to run the ball. I think they're going to have the Eagles flummoxed with the play-action passing game. So I think if you're Eastern Washington, the mindset has to be, and maybe not their mindset, but what I'm seeing as an observer of the game, Eastern Washington has to know that they're probably going to need to hit at least 40 points to have a shot in this football game. That puts a lot of pressure on your offense. If you're a coaching staff saying, look, we need to, Eastern Washington's mindset on defense is going to be big plays. I think they're going to blitz the heck out of Easton Stick. I think they're going to take a lot of gambles. I think they're going to need to steal some possessions to try to come up with a few more possessions in the game to try to get the, the equalizer to, to level things out with how much better the buys and offenses versus the Eastern Washington defense. But I think in developing a game plan, if you're Eastern Washington, you're not approaching this like, well, this is going to be a 24-17 type of game. Your mindset, I think, is we need to score at least 40 points. North Dakota State can win in a defensive rock fight. North Dakota State can win in a shootout. North Dakota State can win a football game as many ways there are to win a football game. But I think if if you're Eastern Washington and you know you probably need to hang a 40 spot to have a shot, that puts a lot of pressure on your offense and your young quarterback playing what is the best defense in FCS football. I'm just saying, you know, you say if they have to score 40 points – they're not going to do that. I mean, there's I, oh, there, I there's, there's yeah. just there's absolutely no way. What's the most? Twenty eight to well, what did they give up Northern game. Iowa? Twenty eight. Yeah. I mean, that's the most points they've given up all year. Fifty six was that Bison won by twenty five, so it's fifty six to thirty one. Thirty one, right? So thirty one was the most points they've given up this year. I mean, yeah, that's close to forty, but you know, I, I they're not gonna they're not gonna put up forty points, Wani. I, I think. You know, and I agree with you that that puts a lot of pressure on a sophomore quarterback to say you need to go out and you need to score 40 points. In turn, if you're Eastern Washington's defense, you have to be able to force some turnovers. And NDSU has been unbelievably good this year at protecting the football. But at the same time, Eastern Washington is good at forcing turnovers. They're good at taking the ball away. You wonder if they can get some early turnovers. That might slow the game down a little bit, keep it a little bit tighter than what NDSU may want. But that being said, I don't know if that's going to happen either because it's going to take a huge effort on NDSU's part to beat themselves in order for them to lose this game. And with, with so many playmakers, and both teams have a lot of seniors, Eastern Washington's a good football team. It's just North North Dakota State is playing at such a high level right now in all phases of the game. There, there are no glaring weaknesses with this Bison football team. What's the glaring weakness with Eastern Washington? It's their defense where teams are putting up a bunch of yards against them. In the playoffs, Nichols State hung over 400 on them. Cal Davis hung over 400 on them. Maine hung up over 400 on him and had a bunch of ill-timed turnovers that Eastern Washington really took advantage of. Maine shot themselves in the foot with a ton of turnovers. North Dakota State 
has really taken care of the football this year. And you have a senior quarterback. We heard that from Coach Kleiman in one of the press conferences midway through the year. You take a look at Easton's numbers. He's got 40 total touchdowns, 26 passing, 14 rushing. He's very smart with the football. He gets the offense into the right place in the Bison. Take care of the football. And that is so critically important. And I, I just... I, I see the Bison just having another great day, and Eastern Washington can play really, really well, but even if they do, I don't think that's enough with the number of playmakers North Dakota State has. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things stacked against the Eagles, I'd say, M- maybe more than they can take on, I think. I think they, you can curb some of, the, some of the weaknesses that you have, but, I mean, ultimately they, they, come, out to, they come out of the woodwork eventually. So you got you got to lay it on me, brother. Game oh day prediction. Oh boy! Last one of the, of year, the year, national championship game style. Um, I think it's like a fourteen and a half spread or something like that. I think NDSU has probably covers that. I, I'll go forty-two to seventeen. I think Eastern Washington, if anything, maybe gets a garbage touchdown. I don't know, but I I I, I can't see it. I can't see it being really overly competitive. Bison Nation, you've been waiting for it all year long. This team, this epic team, this iconic team, this one of the best in school history teams, there's going to be no letdown. There are no glaring weaknesses from wire to wire, start to finish. This Bison team has been ranked number one in the country, and they end today raising a trophy on the stage at Toy Otis Stadium to cap a 15-0 undefeated year, sending all these seniors in Chris Hyman and Easton stick out his national champions. You want a score? Here's a score. All Bison, all day long. North Dakota State leaves as national champion, parking back to the 1990 title game score, 51-11. to Folks, you have a great day. I want to thank you for tuning in to Heard It Here with Swanee at 740 AM, The Fan, and remember... The strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd.